you're finding your way back um, and settling yourself in, um, can I encourage you to, if you have your Bibles with you, uh, open them up to the Gospel of Matthew. Um, we're going to be going back through the Gospel of Matthew today, um, and uh, yeah, we're going to be just coming back into Jesus' teaching. So, oh, thank you, Mel. That's so kind. Yeah, so just uh, as you find your seat, can I encourage you, um, uh, open, up, open up your Bible if you have them, um, and uh, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 10. So one of the things that I love about gathering together is we are a people that, as a church, we love Jesus. And we believe that Jesus is the best. He's the best teacher. He is the model for our life. He has an understanding of how humans work better than anyone else. And so part of our regular practices, like today, is to take some time to sit with the words of Jesus and learn from them again and see what he might want to speak to us today. And so if you're new here, um, we are probably about coming up to close to halfway through the book of Matthew. And right now we find ourselves in Matthew chapter 10. And in Matthew chapter 10, we have the second of Jesus's main sermons. Uh, Matthew is split up with about five, I think, main sermons where Jesus kind of talks about a different theme. And right now we are on the sermon on mission. So Jesus has been going out into the world and he's been healing people and preaching this message about the kingdom of heaven that is now here, God's rule and reign, which is coming. And now to the freaking out of his disciples, he is passing on that mission to them and by proxy to us, calling us to participate in the same thing that he's been doing. And so, so far, just so you understand where we are in the sermon, we're coming near the end of his discussion. It started out with compassion. Jesus looks out over the world and his heart is moved with compassion because he says the people are like sheep without shepherds, lost and wandering, and so his heart breaks for them. So then he commissions his disciples. He grabs the 12 who are following him who are not the uh, cream of the crop. They are not the elite. They're just, you know, fishermen, tax people, a warrior zealot who wanted to overthrow the government anarchist. No big deal, right? So he just gathers some of them, and to these people, he passes on this mission, and he commissions them. And then he gives them instructions where he says, go out into the towns and cities and regions. Oh, hi, Eden. How are you? You good? Yeah. So he commissions them and saying, go out into the regions and spread the gospel, heal the sick, deliver those under oppression, and Say the message, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Oh, Eden, did you want to go with Mel? Mel's got some snacks for you. There you go. Haley's at home with Cora, who's got a fever today. So Mel is helping out. Thank you. Um, so he instructs on what to do. And then right after instructing them in just classic Jesus way, he's like, here's what you're going to do. Also, it's going to be really hard. No one's going to like you. You're going to get persecuted. Have fun. Yay! It was a really challenging text for when, when we engaged with it a couple of weeks ago, wasn't it? It's this challenging reality that despite the goodness of God, many, many people will not resonate with the message. In fact, it will turn them off. They'll get angry and we're going to face difficulty. So this is where we find ourselves. Jesus' compassion, his commission, his instruction, a warning about persecution, and then these words today. So we are in Matthew chapter 10, and we're going to be reading verses 24 through 31. So it's verses 24 through 31, where Jesus says, The student is not above the teacher, nor a servant above his master. 
It is enough for students to be like their teachers, uh, enough for students to be like their teachers and servants like their masters. If the head of the house has been called Beelzebub, how much more so the members of his household? So don't be afraid of them, for there's nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim to the roofs, from the roofs. And do not be afraid of those who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both body and soul in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside of your father's care. And even the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So do not be afraid, for you are worth many, much more than sparrows. Let's pray. Jesus, as we gather around your word again, and we sit under your teaching, I pray that your spirit would speak to us in a way that we need to hear, and that your speaking wouldn't just be informational knowledge, but that it would be formational in our character, in our relationships, and in our practice, that we might be a little bit more like you. We pray. Amen. Amen. So, there's one definition of maturity. One definition of maturity is the ability to endure short-term pain for long-term gain. Right? We know this. I know this. But that's not, that's not easy to live out, is it? Particularly for me, I try to do this in lots of places, but there's one area of my life that still needs to come under the lordship of Jesus, and that is related to dentists. <laughs> so I grew up in Mexico City, and in Mexico City, the uh, water there is, you can't drink the water from the tap because it's make you poop your guts out. So everybody drinks bottled water, but because we drink bottled water, there was no fluoride in the water. And so it's meant as an adult, as I get older, I've had a lot more challenges with my teeth being a bit more brittle and not holding up as strong. And I hate dentists. I mean, you're, if there's a dentist here, I'm sorry, you're a lovely person, but I cannot stand going to the dentist. It's painful. It's the worst experience where you go there, they hurt you for like an hour, and then... On the way out, they hurt you again with like 500 bucks and you have to say thank you. You're like, I just got abused. I don't, right? So I remember there was one time in England when, um, shows you how fluoride's important. Uh, I was eating a sandwich, a baguette, literally a soft bread sandwich. And as I'm eating this sandwich, I take a bite and my molar splits. A whole chunk just falls off into my mouth and you're like, right? Now, what's the wise thing to do? Go to the dentist. Endure that short-term pain for much long-term gain. What did I do? I did not go to the dentist. I was like, it'd be fine. Be fine. It'll just heal. I don't know what I was thinking. It's not going to heal. It's bone, right? But it, it'll be fine. And I ignore it. I ignore it. And if Haley's watching this morning, she'll be like frustrated because she was the one in England at the time that she was like, Colin, go to the dentist. I'm like, I don't want to. It hurts. It's going to... I don't have the I'm a poor YWAMer. She's like, it's free in England. Like, oh, I don't want to, right? And I pull it off, I put it off, I put it off, and sure enough, what happens? You put it off, and by the time I finally go, pain was much worse. The decay had gotten worse, and the, the, the food had gotten into places of the tooth where it shouldn't been. And so the process of fixing it was infinitely more painful 
and difficult than it would have been had I just gone quickly at the very beginning. And it's not just dentists. Hey, this is a challenge for all of us. The same is true for food, exercise, work. The ability, maturity is the ability to endure short-term pain for long-term gain. And it's this challenge that we can see. I think it's our biggest struggle as we grapple with the words of Jesus today. Because what Jesus, in each of these teachings, there is a challenge where he reminds us that God's way and the way that he's instructing us is not for quick fixes, easy solutions, and to try and get on top, but to follow the way of the gospel, which has some difficulty, but we know in the end brings life, real, true, lasting life. And so Jesus' teaching starts with this, where he says, the student is not above the, ma- uh, above the teacher, nor a servant above his master. It's enough for students to be like their teachers and servants to be like their masters. If the head of the house has been called Beelzebul, how much more the members of his household. So what Jesus is saying here is pretty plain. Jesus is saying, you're not going to be greater than me. No disciple is greater than the teacher. You, you try to emulate your teacher. And then Jesus says, how will I be treated? Well, he's called Beelzebub. Beelzebub is like a, a euphemism for like an evil one, the, the lord of the flies, a deceiver, someone who's going around. So everyone's expectations of Jesus is that he's a charlatan who's just using people for gain, not to be trusted. And Jesus is telling his disciples, hey, if you follow me, it's going to be the same for you. Your pattern will be like mine. And I think sometimes it's easy to forget that. In our modern economy, in our modern world, recently I've been trying to read about stocks. Because if you're anything like me, does anyone, when they do like the news ticker tape and they do like, here's the stock market, how many of you are like, and that's gibberish? I have no idea what that means. It's just useless. So that's been most of my experience. And so recently I've been reading about it, trying to wrap my head around what it is and what it's like, and it's been fascinating for me to watch. And one of the things that blew my mind was most of the way that a lot of our modern economies are grown, and now if there's any financial advisors, please, this is just the Colin stupefied version. It's much more nuanced. But one of the ways that the economy grows is we focus more on growth than we do necessarily on health. We want short-term quarterly profits to project growth, And what we invest in is not necessarily always in a company that's good and stable. Sometimes we do. But what a lot of people want to invest in is a company that shows a growth rate. That's just moving up fast. Every tech sector is moving up. And so what happens is companies feel the pressure to do quick fixes to grow. Every quarterly earnings report, they want to say they grew 5%, 10%, 15%, and then they'll get more investing. But the challenge is... In an economy that's like the assumption is we are always going to grow, we're always going to move up, what happens if your business doesn't grow for a quarter? People freak out. I mean, think about it on the news. House prices and everything go up, 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 and everyone's like, yep, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine, it's normal. And when something dips by 5%, it's like, the world is ending! House prices are crashing! The economy is tanked! And you're like, whoa. Give me this huge reaction, Right? And other businesses, there's one fascinating story of there's a company that is a cryptocurrency exchange platform. Yes, that was gobbledygook to me too, right? But if any of you know what cryptocurrency is, it's a new kind of online form of currency and marketing that doesn't use banks. But there's a company, and their job was they were an exchange. It was a place where people would go to buy and sell 
different cryptocurrencies. And they were doing great. Growth was going up. Lots of people were buying and selling there. People wanted to invest in that company. Just this week, people are freaking out because they realized that this company, to try and meet growth rates, had started taking people's investments and then rather than putting them where they should be, using them to make their own risky bets, to make their growth rate look higher, to make themselves look better. And it's been now this huge story that's come out and heaps of people will have lost savings and investments that they would have put 10, 20, $30,000 into that have just disappeared in a second. We all want to move up and we want life to go well for us. That's our modern culture. We all want 3% growth every year. When I give you an annual report, I want to show a 3% growth or something every year. Churches and people, we assume that life is always supposed to go up for us. But what does Jesus say? If you're my follower, are you going to be greater than I? Are you going to achieve things that I haven't? Jesus says, your pattern will be like mine. And what was Jesus' pattern? It was up and down. One of my favorite stories, because it freaks me out, is in the Gospel of John, where Jesus has just fed the 5,000, and it's amazing. Huge crowds, people are adoring him. And then Jesus comes out with this message, which is like, unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. And understandably, the majority of the crowd were like, that's not for me. And they all left. And only this ragtag group of disciples stuck around. Why is it that we assume that life will always go easy and good for us? Why is it that we assume that churches, we should always be growing and always moving up? Why is it that we so easily assume that everybody should always constantly like us and things go easy for us? Jesus says, the student is not above the teacher. So often for us, there's going to be a willingness to undergo short-term pain for long-term faithfulness. To be okay with being rejected, with setbacks, seasons where things get trimmed and pruned rather than grow rapidly, because the student is not above the master. We are called to emulate Jesus. We don't have to be God, we just have to try and be like him. And let's not forget, Jesus ended his ministry by being killed by the people that he was sent to love. That's our journey. It's Jesus' pattern. So the next thing Jesus says is, do not be afraid of them, talking about the people that we're going to be sharing the gospel with or expanding this kingdom to. For there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. Now, one of the fascinating things about Jesus' teachings was he often used parables, didn't he? He would ask questions. And people were often trying to figure out what did he mean? Because often when Jesus was saying it, he was saying it in ways that drew people in, asked and sparked questions within them. So it's not surprising that when Jesus says, what I tell you in the dark, because a lot of people didn't get it. But he says to his disciples, what I've told you in the dark, proclaim it loudly, tell it plainly, shout it from the rooftops, make an example of yourself making this clear for people to understand what this kingdom of heaven looks like. This is a hard one, at least for me personally. So one of my things is um, being from America, my country is constantly gripped in a culture war, right? 
where people are constantly angry at each other. We just had an election season, and it's just brutal. It's like every two years, America just implodes and hates itself, right? And so one of my challenges is being also a good missionary kid. I just want everyone to get along. I just want everybody to like each other. And so one of the things that I try to do is I try to be a really mediating voice, being like, oh, I hear that. Oh, yes, I hear that too. Yep, that's a good point. You're coming from a good place. Yep, oh, I hear that too. And I want to be a bridge builder to connect people in together. And when it comes to the gospel, there's a real danger for people like me with my temperament that I can try and make Jesus more palatable for people. I can try and, oh, Jesus was a little bit strong there. Let me rub off some of these harsh edges. I mean, when he says, call me Lord, I don't know, that's kind of like metaphorical. Like, Lord is a relational term, right? But Jesus says, nah. Is the student greater than his master? Nah. And the dangers for me, because I want to be liked and loved and I want to make this easy in bridge building, I'll avoid the short-term pain of a difficult conversation. I'll try and avoid that to hope it'll be better, but does that help people in the long run? How many of you have been caught in a conflict situation where we avoid that conflict, we don't want to speak the truth plainly, and so we put it off to the side. We avoid that, that pain, but then it bites us in the long run, doesn't it? Relationships get far worse and crumbled when that small issue grows and grows and grows because we avoided that short-term pain. But when we push through that short-term pain and we speak things truly, then life comes on the other side. There will be conflict, but Jesus says, speak it plainly so that people can understand the call of the gospel, to understand who God is and what he is calling us to. We have to teach Jesus' teachings plainly. It's not our job to make Jesus palatable. It's our job to represent him as best as we can. And that's all we can do. So then finally, it's, uh, then Jesus goes on to this one. Here's the challenging one. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Now, I don't have time today to do a big in-depth exegesis on hell. I would love to. Um, I did a little bit of that work in Revelation. So you can go to one of our, if you go online to our Revelation series, I think it's like on chapter 19, I did a longer discussion on hell. So you can go, go there. But w- for today, what's helpful to understand here is that when Jesus talks about hell, there's a phrase that theologians use that is really helpful, which is both, there's a phrase that says the now and the not yet. And when Jesus talks about these things, the dangers, we look at it and we think Jesus is only talking about when we die. But Jesus often talks about the now, but also the not yet. And hell is this, constantly throughout scripture, whether it's in Revelation or in Matthew, it's this place of pain, of destruction. Uh, Both in Matthew and in Revelation, hell is like this garbage dump where things go to end, where God has to move them away from the goodness and the light of God. C.S. Lewis talks about hell as separation from everything that is the goodness of God. And so when Jesus is saying this, he's saying, yep, certainly, when we die, we need to be aware of that, beware of that separation from God. But there's also the now. When we fear men and we fear other people, rather than fearing the God who has designed and structured the world, we walk into and we enter into hell experiences now as well of isolation, pain, broken relationships, shattered marriages, abuse, conflict. We're walking through that pain and that separation now. 
And so Jesus says, it's really easy for us, short-term pain, we don't want to get into conflict with people. We want people to like us. We want people to accept us. And we're afraid of each other. We're afraid of man. But what does that do to us? If we fear man rather than God who's called us to, we end up creating and walking into hellish experiences. And if we continue to do that over a lifetime, that will lead us to a lifetime of separation from God and the goodness of God. And so Jesus says, do not fear man, though that will be painful and difficult. Don't fear someone who can only interact with you in this space, but rather fear and set your sights and your authority and your life based upon the one who's actually made the fabric of this whole world. The one who understands how you were made, how you were structured, who understands what is good and right and who designed a world for us to flourish. Fear him. Not just your coworkers or the people in front of you. What short-term perspective when we base all of our decisions on what will this person say who usually most of the time isn't even thinking about us because we're also self-focused and self-centered. Instead, Jesus says, lift your eyes higher. Build your life on a much more solid foundation. Fear God. Live for him. And life is short-term pain, but your life will flourish in the long term. We have to ground ourselves in Jesus' reality that God is our creator and our foundation. Now, we could finish there and be like, well, that's really hard. It's a tough teaching there, Jesus, and it is. Why is it worth going through this short-term pain, getting into conflict, putting ourselves out there to talk about the gospel when we know people don't like it in a society where it's not great necessarily to be a Christian? Why would we go through all that pain and trust God? Why? Jesus finishes with this, and what a wonderful way to finish this. He reminds us, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them falls to the ground outside of your father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So do not be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. It can be hard to push through the short-term pain of following Jesus sometimes. It will be difficult. There might be pushback. But Jesus says, don't worry. Because the God that we serve is not far off and distant and cold. And he doesn't let you walk this road alone. He is not far from your cries and your pain and your suffering. Not even a sparrow falls without God being with them. How much more so you? Jesus says, if you follow me, if you walk and base your life on my commandments and teachings, if you follow this kingdom gospel, that adventure that I'm calling you to, what does Jesus say? Lo, I will be with you always, even unto the very end of the age. There is a God who walks with us that we can trust because he knows us and he loves us. And he is working for the good. So I think it's helpful when we have to grapple with these teachings of Jesus, where he challenges us and he pushes us, where we have to confront our own insecurities and fears, our, our own love for the praise of other people more than the praise of God, it's a helpful reminder that yes, it is hard in the short term, but over the course of a life lived in faithfulness to Jesus, you will experience a life in the gospel that is transforming you will have a family and a community that is shaped by the radical love of Jesus. And rather than experience hell on earth, you will get snippets of heaven here on earth. 
your family, your neighborhood, your community, your schools. God will work through them so that slowly, little by little, the kingdom of heaven now comes and breaks into these spaces. And it's like fresh air for the first time. We didn't know life could be this good. Avoiding Jesus's teaching is like me walking around with a broken tooth, just trying to like avoid it and keep on taking paracetamol or whatever medication I can use to get through to the next day. Following the gospel of Jesus is like God allowing God in there to fix it and heal it so that you can function as you were designed to do. So can I invite the team back up? We're going to finish um, with a song. This has been a challenging word for me this week. It's really easy to focus our eyes down and do the short-term things to just get through the next day. But I personally this week felt challenged and reminded that God calls us to prioritize his things first, to prioritize his teaching and his calling, to prioritize time with him first above all other things because it's from there everything else flows. So today, I don't know if there are things that you are avoiding. Are there any short-term coping mechanisms that you are doing and avoiding the thing that God is calling you to do? If that's you, I believe Jesus would remind you that no student is above their teacher. It will be hard. It was hard for Jesus. It'll be hard for you too. But he calls you to be honest and true, sharing his teaching, doing the thing that he has called you to, and to fear him rather than whatever short-term thing it is that you're afraid of. And you'll be amazed at what God can do. Let's pray. Jesus, we, we think of your words where you remind us not to fear man, but to fear you, to follow you. God, if we are in a place today where we have been avoiding you and we've been coping with our short-term pain, we've not been able to push through it because we're afraid or we're, we're struggling or we're, we, we can't do it. Holy Spirit, I pray that you, you would just bring a sense of freedom to us today. As we repent and as we come back to your teaching, where you remind us that you love us and you know us and you are with us, that we are much more valuable than the sparrows. And you are calling each of us to participate on this mission with you, to, to get involved in your project of seeing your kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus, if we are struggling with something, I pray that your spirit would come and set us free of that. For those of us who struggle with insecurity and anxiety and we constantly fear man more than anything else, Lord, I pray that you would continue to rewire our brains and our spirits and our bodies so that we can trust you and focus on you more than our fear of what other people think about us. And Lord, I pray that you would develop us into a community that is mature, willing to do the hard things now to see your goodness flow in the long term. Spirit, would you do in us what we cannot do for ourselves? 
give us life, hope, and empower us to follow Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.